Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Morning, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast for part two of How the Hell Do We Replace Diego Carlos? Um, I'm still not really over it. I, it well, not over it isn't, isn't the word that I'm using, but I still kind of feel a small little bit kind of bummed out in the, by the fact that we only got to see him for two games in the Premier League, and now we're going to be missing him for all this amount of time. And, you know, there's been a lot of money spent on him, and it's, uh, it, it's a really unfortunate situation. But uh, I, it's, it's going to be one where I'm going to stand back and I'm going to take a wide view of what Aston Villa do to try and replace this. Um, so it's uh, replace him. So, so it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Put it that way. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. They may stand put. They may cancel Courtney House's uh, loan move, and then we might. I might look very, very foolish talking about all these players. Um, but what they might do is they might dip into the market. They might go spend money. Like with Aston Villa, I'm not sure what in the hell they'll do. The one thing I'm le- less sold on is that we will get a loan deal for a player without an option to buy. If that makes sense. I've seen that float around the internet. Why don't we just loan someone in? You know, get someone in, get someone in on loan. For there's, there's there's a couple of things here with that 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 is difficult to do if you're looking to upgrade the person that you have that, that you've lost. I think that's pretty difficult to do unless you're preying on a team that's looking to to lose somebody or looking to get rid of somebody or looking to get rid of dead weight, and that may happen too. We might book, at that stage we're only just loaning somebody in and we've no option to buy. Whereas I think if we are loaning somebody with an option to buy, it'll be a younger player. Um, so that's just something I've seen seen uh, recently. I could be 100% wrong on that. You know, I just I just don't know who we loan that's going to be this player that's that's better than Diego Carlos. Um, also, we will also have the faction of people who say, why are we loaning somebody and potentially um, improving another team's player? So there's, there's a lot around loans that I'm just not sure we'll go dip into that market. Also, based on the Axel Tunzebi piece where we loaned him and loaned him and loaned him and couldn't get a permanent deal. And it seemed that Steven Gerrard was pretty fr- frustrated about that. Then when they cancelled the loan, he went to Napoli and he didn't really do much, you know, after he's, he left Aston Villa uh, last season. So I just don't know whether we've been bitten 
uh, within the transfer market with regards to that previously, um, or maybe we look at something like we did with um, with Philippe Coutinho, whereby we loaned him an option to buy. I potentially think that that might be something, but I couldn't even begin to think about players we could loan. So we're going to talk about players today that we can buy. Yesterday we spoke about some free transfers that we had uh, and that I just picked out and I thought that they had a lot of experience and I thought that there were players that could come in. We had the two guys who um, have obviously done it for uh, for club and country in Jason Denier and uh, John Brooks. And then we also had that wildcard person who was Zagadu, the guy who has all the potential in the world, but injuries have derailed him. Um, basically, he lost two seasons of his career, and he's only 22 years of age. He's lost two seasons of his career to cruciate ligament injuries, or knee ligament injuries, I'm going to say. I'm not going to say they're cruciate, but knee ligament injuries. So obviously, that's going to be a red flag on him. But today, we're going to look at players, some players that we could potentially purchase, um, and we can take a look at some of those. So, um, bum, 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 bum. let me bring up this. I'm going to be looking at this in three separate buckets. Okay, just to just to give a bit of context to this. Going to look at some people we've been linked to previously. The likes of Max Lacroix. Uh, I'll bring him up on screen here. Going to look at Max Lacroix first. Then we're going to look at Stefan De, De Vrij. And we're going to look at Coletta Carr. Okay, three players that we've been linked with previously. And three players that I think this uh the that we can we can look to um to try and um to to maybe try and look back into our list. Because remember, this isn't something whereby Diego Carlos goes down, the club goes shit, we have to find somebody. Damn, who are we gonna find? Play center half. There's a scouting department, Rob McKenzie and his scouting department there are working on names and they've got lists upon lists, I would imagine. So this is something where they can shuffle to and they can be fluid with regards to this. Uh, they probably know who they want already and they're going to work through their targets. Um, Maxence Lacroix was somebody that was brought up previously, six foot two, French defender playing Wolfsburg, um, right footed. Uh, you can see there he's had 100 starts over his career, plays mainly on the right-hand side of defence. Could come in here. Do we want the solely right-sided defender that comes in here, given that Diego Carlos could play both sides? Does it leave, it, leave us sh short on having a left-sided centre-half? Do we really care whether we have a left-footer and a right-footer in centre-half? That seems to be something that's become really hawkature over the last five years or so, or ten years or so. Um, I know it makes sense that if you've got somebody who can clear the ball on their left left uh, foot from centre half position, that it makes it a small bit easier. But does it really matter? I, I I'm 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 trying that out there as devil's advocate. I would prefer to have a left and a right footer. But Maxence Lacroix was somebody that we looked at previously. Seeing here this um seeing here some of his statistics that we can show up on the screen there. Obviously, he's quite high in his percentiles with regards to tackles, dribbles, amount of dribblers tackled, and the amount of pressures that he puts on. When we spoke about this guy previously, this guy engages high up on the field. He gets out there early, and he engages people. He can, um, Not to say that he's kamikaze. That's not what I'm saying here. But what he does is he goes to the player. We'll see with a lot of, with some of Aston Villa's players, that we retreat back onto our... Um, Onto our six-hour box, or onto our uh, our penalty area, and protect that D. Whereas Maxence Lacroix was somebody who kind of goes forward, attacks it further out. Yes, he's going to give away, um, he's going to give away some fouls, but he's also going to attack that ball, uh, before it potentially becomes comes closer to our goal and becomes um a critical error, so to say, which is something that uh, which is something that we can um we can also appreciate that 
that's something we're beginning to see more crawl creep into to how defenders are defending the ball. Um, very, very good interception rate, top of the class in interception rate up there in the 99th percentile. Passes blocked, all that, that jazz. So from from the point of view of the players that we have already, they've and, and the defensive style that we tend to favor, it was favored it under Dean Smith. We like to get in interceptions, we like to get block, we like to block passes, we like to block anything, shots, goals, whatever we try to do. We try and throw our body in the way and get in the way of things um as best we can. Like so Tyrone Mings does it, Kanza does it, and uh, and Chambers did it the last day with some with two very, very good last ditch tackles to try and, uh, and one that he took the ball off Onana's foot. Um, so we it's something that our players favor doing. But do we want to bring in somebody with a different skill set? I don't know. I really like Max and Slukaw. More I've watched him since we were since we were uh, um, linked with him. The more I think that he's a very um, a very very capable uh, defender, more than capable defender, and his interceptions are like miles above there. I didn't even want to. If you can look at the wheel diagram, the bullseye target diagram that I have there on the side. I was there going, oh, I'm going to have to adjust the numbers here for his interceptions. And I went, do you know what? I'm not even going to, because we're not going to come across anybody who's going to have uh, much more than 4.07 interceptions per game. So I just drew the lines past where I had it, just to show, just to cartoonishly show how far above the rest of the players that we have that he is with interceptions and so on. When it comes to, when it comes to aerial dual success, he comes in middle of the park, 63.9%. I'm going to say something here regards to aerial aerial dual success, that there's a big talking point about we need somebody who's brilliant in the air. We need somebody who's excellent in the air. We need to control the air. We need to be, you know, the master of the skies, of the skies, not disguise, like most Irish people like me might might say. Um, but we need to be that, we need to, to, to be able to rule in the air. Aerial dual success percentage is, it's something I've struggled with. I've put it in there. I've kind of gone, should I really have it in there? Because obviously if somebody has way more aerial jewels um, and they're winning seven or eight aerial jewels per game, but there's also balls raining down in them in the league that they're in over the course of, uh, over the course of a season, then their aerial, their, their aerial, the amount of aerial jewels they win might be high, but their jewel success rate might be low. So it might come in at 50%. If you 14 crosses into the box and you head away seven of them, that's, that's actually a quite, quite good you know your other center half is going to take take some of the work as well so aerial jewel success rate for me it fluctuates anywhere between about anywhere between the high 50s and the mid to high 60s there so there could be a 10 percent fluctuation but obviously the amount of work and the amount of uh, sample set in there could very easily distort that so when we're talking about aerial jewel success rate i don't get too high or i don't get too low with regards to um with regards to what the the actual the actual percentages it's one of those things whereby you gotta look at the video you gotta look at what you see from them and if their technique is good in the air or if you see that they're actually that they're that they're you know completely powering it in the air then that's something that uh, that I think we should look at here because as I always say statistics can be confirmational bias for you if you really like a player but also they should throw up areas where you need to go and look at that maybe the statistics might muddy the water for them for them as well. With Max Inslacroix, I think he's pretty much a 63.9% aerial defense, aerial dual success person. So I don't think that anything muddies the water there with him. I'm just putting it in context as we will see that numbers and statistics will be thrown out with people with with, uh, with what people want to see from their defender. And it could be see, said that X player isn't good in the air because their aerial dual success rate is only this, but it doesn't take into account the style of play, doesn't take into account the league that they're in, doesn't take into account the, the sample set or the amount of crosses that come into the box as well. 
So that's that for me is something that uh, um, that that I that I want to put out there. Um, see a couple of comments there with regards to House. I would be very surprised if Courtney House was still an Aston Villa player at the end of, at the end of um at the end of August. I think he's go. I think he wants to go out on loan. He's twenty six. I think at this stage, I think he wants to play football. I think he wants to go out and loan, wants to get himself back after this crazy injury history he's had since January. Um, so I'm not counting on, on Courtney House, and I don't think the club are either in this instance. So if he stays at the club, fine, but I think they're going to want somebody else in there um, as well. But uh, I, I don't think that Courtney House is going to be just that fourth choice the defender because I think that the, I think he wants to go. I think he wants to to leave the club or he wants to get now maybe not leave the club permanently, but he wants to get some minutes under his belt and it just won't happen at Aston Villa. And fair play to him for that if that is the case. But that's just my murmurings and my thoughts on it as well. So here's Max Enslacot looking over here again to see how he faces how he fares up with uh, regards to Diego Carlos. We can see the greens, we can see the reds. Um a lot of this stuff is minimal as well here. Obviously, when we look at the pressure success rate, there is a big difference there between the pressure success rate between um, Maxence Lacroix and uh, Diego Carlos. And, uh, you know, there's there's also, when you look at it here, that Lacroix has almost double the amount of pressures per game than Diego Carlos does. So uh, when I say that he attacks the ball and he's more aggressive um, in trying to in trying to get to the attacker early on in the phase of play, that's probably what I mean when I'm looking at this. So there's an interesting comparison here. They're certainly not like-for-like like players. Uh, they're certainly not like-for-like like players at all. But then again, I don't know, Can you actually? is there ever such thing as a like-for-like like player? I think what you need to do is you need to go. You need to be clearly defined in what you what you want to see from your 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 defenders, and then try and fit that in into the player from what you see on the tape and what the statistics tell you over a three hundred and sixty five day day period. So I think that that's quite important, um, important to look at too. When we're looking at um, let's take a little look at Stefan Devry. Obviously, Stefan Devry is a um oh just. Oh. Stefan Defray, Inter Milan, playing with Inter Milan, uh, started the last game for them, um, or the game, the first game this season, uh, started for them. I don't know how easy he's going to be to pry away from Inter Milan at all, unless they're looking to maybe trim their wage bill or something. He might be somebody that you might be able to get on loan with an option to buy, potentially agree a fee, and he comes in. Um, at 30 years of age, do we want to be doing that with a player that? You know, then that would mean we would have three 30 year olds on uh, in our defensive rotation. I don't know whether that shows good, um, whether that shows good forward planning with regards to something like that. But look, as I say, let's take a look at how he plays. So, obviously, he's a he's a um, a Dutch international, 58 caps for Netherlands and three goals. Um, cultured, cultured defender, kind of no nonsense as well with him as well. Uh, uh he's he's Again, when we're looking at statistics, I'm going to just once again throw out the obvious here. He's playing in a team that, that is up there and dominates lots of teams within the league. So he's in amount of tackles. So you see there the tackles per 90 at the top. That's the amount of tackles he has per 90. It's not derogative to say that he is that that's low because he just doesn't have as much work to do as other defenders within the league. So when you look at things like that as well, it's always worth to take into context with regards to those. He's a very good tackler. He's very, he, he tackles, um, he, like he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have played for the Dutch team for 58, 58 appearances and then had, for had Feyenoord, Lazio, Inter Milan on his on his CV. So when we look at the statistics here, that's to be borne in mind. Also, the blocks and the passes blocked there. He's right down the bottom within um within Europe's league. So 
he's not somebody who's going to go out and going to engage somebody early like Maxence Lacroix was. So he's not somebody who's going to do that. He doesn't intercept the ball an awful lot. He's just a pure defender. He's going to tackle you if you come within his own. He's going to, he's going to, um, he's just going to clear the ball essentially. And when he gets the ball at his feet, he's going to be able to move it at a pretty decent clip because we can see there he's got 92.7% pass completion rate. Definitely a player you need to look at. You need to watch him play and then look at the statistics and go, Oh yeah, well, he didn't have much to do in that game. So of course he's not going to have any blocks in that game. Of course he's not going to have any passes blocked in that game because he had bloody nothing to do. The other team barely had any attacks. So there's a lot of context that needs to be taken when we're looking at defenders with regards to that. But Stefan de Vrij has all the the um uh, the positional intelligence in the world. He has all the uh you know the experience in the world. And um, if we were to get him in there, he would be seen as a big signing. You know, and, and I don't think it would be somebody that Villa um, would want to go away and spend all that money on for somebody who's 30 years of age and will be 31 before the season ends. But it could be. I don't know. Uh, as I say, we don't know what the coffers, what the money in the in, in the bank situation is. Um, but for me, if he came in, fantastic. I would also want to see in the summer somebody else come in that's a bit younger to have some succession planning. And then we work from there. But that's not my problem. That's an Aston Villa problem. But very, very good defender, as we can see, uh, or, as you'll see if you turn on a, a t- the tape from him. His statistics bear out that he's, he's uh, you know, that some of his numbers are lower than they should be. But his experience is invaluable. And having some of that experience might be something that Aston Villa might want to want to dip into. Um, because, as I say, that leadership capability and that experience within uh, with playing um, at such a high level and playing international in international tournaments is something that Villa could uh, could tap into as well. But who knows? Who knows with regards to that? Wouldn't be my first choice, Stefan de Vrij, but I wouldn't be hopping up and down saying, Johan Lange out if we signed him either. Because everything is context. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to view everything from from 50 foot 50 foot distance even when we do sign somebody. Um, looking at him in comparison to Diego Carlos, we're going to see lots of reds and lots of greens here. Once again, workload and so on, I think is something that we need to look at there with regards to him. But I've been into that already. His experience is something that that will trump an awful lot of what we can what we see there, specifically the blocks and the passes block, because they're very, very low. Um Let's look at the next person that we have. Next person we have is Kaleta Carr. Kaleta Carr is a guy I cannot place. As in, what, what, like, when you watch him play, when you, when you watch him play, he always looks like he's making a mistake. I don't know what, maybe it's just me, maybe it's, maybe it's just me. He always looks like he's, he's like, he runs with his head out over his feet or something like that. He looks like he's going to fall over. I don't know what it is. I'm sure everybody there is, kind of, is, 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 uh, is, uh, is probably thinking differently. And by the way, that's not to say that he's a bad defender, but I think there's always, it's just something about the way that he plays the game always looks like he's a bit ungainly or something. I'm not, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but some of his statistics are very good. If we want that passing centre half, this is who we should, uh, who, somebody who we could go and look at, look at, uh, look at to sign. We were uh, rumoured with signing him previously. He's only twenty five years of age. Uh, came up through, um, came up through through youth football in, in Croatia. He got his big move to Red Bull Salzburg. Was with Red Bull Salzburg for um, for four years, going on loan to their Liefering um, feeder club as well, which is basically their B team. Um, which is a good education for a lot of those players, and an education a lot of those players do um, do uh, 
do go through. Uh, 84 caps for, for Red Bull Salzburg in the league, four goals, and he's moved on to Marseille since 2018. Um, good at his feet, but it's just something about the way he runs. I don't know. I could be seeing this completely differently. I'm not saying that it's uh, that it's uh, it's definitive at all. But when, uh, when we're looking at somebody like this, um, he could be the yin to uh, a Tyrone Mings' is yang from the point of view that it would take the onus off Tyrone Mings to have to be that person that plays the ball out of defence all the time. Um, Coletta Carr obviously can do that. We can see by his numbers. He's right up there with his progressive pass distances, with his pass attempts, his pass completion rate, 92.1%. A lot of people want to see a good pass completion rate from our centre-halves. Um, I should actually have broken down what ranges his passing is here. Uh, passing comes in at. Let me just see if I can pull up that information here so that I can give you a... Um, a sample of this because his main piece is obviously his passing, uh, his passing and his passing uh, uh, ability. Um, just bear with me. This is great uh, podcasting once more. So when we're looking at him, he's got a ninety-seven point seven percent pass completion rate in the short distances, uh, medium distances ninety-six point two percent, and then long distances seventy-eight point three percent. And he averages uh, actually he completes as many long passes as he does. Uh, about 60% as many long passes as those short passes, and most of his passes are into that medium range, which means means that he's bypassing or he's maybe getting it into the further areas within that midfield area, and he's trying to go just he's not just passing it to the pivot directly in front of him, which uh, to me is 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 quite good. So somebody like that with that great passing range could be something that we're looking for, lo- looking at, um, and with that progressive pass distance might be something that we're looking at as well. But once again, it's all about the style of, of centre half that Aston Villa are going to look for because when we when we go when we look here Marseille obviously were t- once again top of the league in and around the top of the league they, they finished what was it third in the um in in La Liga in Liga last year so obviously teams weren't attacking them at at, at the rate that uh, this uh, other defenders might see and we're going to be looking at another French defender in a moment as well we're going to be looking at two more French defenders again in, in a moment um well three more French defenders but two to play in 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 Liga um, so when we look at somebody like Coletta Carr, it looks like as well that uh, he hasn't had the work hasn't had the workload of other of other centre halves. Also, when we look at the percentage of dribblers tackled, he's um, that's really high, and he's very rarely dribbled past. So he's really good with the ball when the, when p- facing up defenders as well, which is something that we could uh, we could look to include because. Um, that's always a good skill to have. So if we're able to dispossess people higher up the field, like we were at Maxence Lacroix, and then maybe get that ball moving, like we can see that Coletta Carr does, um, well, then he could be somebody that Aston Villa could look at. And I wouldn't be adverse to signing him at all, even though there's just something with the mechanics of his running that I'm not sure uh, what it is. Uh, and I could just be seeing things. It could be seeing ghosts with him with regards to that. But uh, obviously a very, very experienced defender. Um, uh, how many caps does he have for Croatia? I'm just going to pop it up here. So he's 23 caps, one goal for Croatia, Croatia as well. And um, yeah, six foot four. Uh, oh, I never changed his height there. He is six foot four. Um, and uh, I'm just going to check to see that I that I change his uh, his foot as well because if I didn't change his height, maybe I didn't change his foot. He is not. I did. He's right footed um, as well. So I did change that. So he's height. He's six foot four and uh, right-footed. So, look, a bit of height in there. Um, although I'm looking at another site here that says he's 6'2", so I've got anywhere between 6'2 and 6'4", which is a big variation for me. We'll go by his Wikipedia and say that he's 6'4". Um, 
Cool. Excellent. So that's Cleta Carr. Let's take a look at how he fares up between himself and Diego Carlos. Obviously, he comes out better in the passing stats as well. You won't find better, many better passing defenders than Cleta Carr. And I think that's why he's up there with so many teams. Been rumored to go out to Newcastle as well last uh, January. Been rumored with uh, Manchester United. He was rumored with, uh, with West Ham as well in the past. And uh, there was a spurious link with ourselves and him at the start of the transfer window as well. So that is... Uh, that is uh, Duje Coletta Carr. Is that how you spell his name? Is that how you pronounce his first name? Is it Duje or Duye uh, Coletta Carr? But we'll just call him Coletta Carr anyway. Um, let's move on to the next next option that we have here. And this is kind of where we get into the fun stuff. This is kind of where we get into the fun stuff here because these are just thing, people that I kind of... So I've got somebody here who is to appease the we need to own the air. We need to defend as as best as we possibly can within the within the air. And this is our boy if we want to do that. Uh, Bubakar Kuete uh, plays with Mets. Um, just your archetypical, just just defends and has no interest in doing anything else. He might is like like has no interest in doing anything else at all. Um, so and you can see that borne out here by the numbers. Up there with the amount of blocks he puts in per game, passes blocked per game, interceptions per game. Aerial dual success rate is 70% is quite the aerial dual success rate, as I mentioned previously, has does go through an awful lot of work as well. Um so it's uh it it's he's he's an interesting interesting player when you look at his defensive uh, statistics, albeit that he does get dribbled past quite a lot. But then when you look at his passing statistics, I almost want to kind of just put my hand over those and just you know no we, we we don't need those we don't need to see those because obviously that's where he, he he falls down but when we look at his passing statistics as well here are they really that bad because when we look at them he's a better passer of the ball uh he, he, sorry he's a better he, he's he he attempts more passes of the ball and he's had more progressive passes and has a similar pass pass completion success rate as Ezri Kanza. so when we look at those numbers it's important to have that kind of target diagram or that bullseye diagram or whatever you want to call it i don't know what it's called but if you look at that there um it's it's an interesting one it's an interesting one so do we really like if we want to get somebody in who's a ball player um maybe that's what he wants what, what steven jared wants to get in but this guy could come in could play alongside tyrone mings who has a, a a better um a better progressive pass rate and attempts more passes if they want to continue to have him to be the the center half that does all the passing work out of the back well then bring in somebody who's imperious in the air like a Bubakar Kwate. maybe I don't know he was he has been linked with a couple of teams previously um gosh off the top of my mind I can't think of who they were uh, uh I I can't think of who they were um I was just looking up my notes here to see if I if I could um could think of anyone that was uh, that he was linked to but um Burnley have been linked to them I'm just looking up here Bristol, uh, no, 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 yeah, Bristol City. So he's been linked to a couple of teams in the championship. Um, I'm almost certain he's been linked to teams in the Premier League as well, but I just can't think of any off the top of my head. But look, if somebody, if we want to go and get somebody who's imperious in the air, well, Bubakar Koate, you won't find many better than him in the air as well. And I'm going to move on pretty quickly from him because he is the kind of the joker in the pack that I've put in there. Um, I would be very, 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 very surprised if we did sign him. Um, but he is, as I say, if we do want to go down the route of the aerial dual successes, um, somebody like him might be, it might, it might be in, um, might be in play. Um, here he is, and this is how he, how he, uh, 
stacks up against Diego Carlos defensively, statistically, he's a better he's a better defender, more passes blocked, more interceptions, more Aljul success rate, more blocks, more pressures. High. This is one thing that's actually um, a, a lot of times when you're looking at at at, at people talking about Coate and we're looking at things on the internet about him, people don't buy into the fact that he's pretty mobile. They think that he's not because he's just, uh, he, he's he's aerial, he's so good in the air that people don't think that he's very, very mobile. But when you look at his pressures there, he pressures at almost double the rate of Diego Carlos as well. And he wins those tackles. So, you know, he's getting in there, he's getting in around players, not afraid to tackle, not afraid to get the ball in the air, just loves defending. You know, loves defending and, and uh, not interested in the finer things in life when it comes to playing the centre half position, um, from what you could see down uh, with regards to his passing statistics. <coughs> um, next, we're going to move on to somebody uh, that I think is complete pie in the sky Evan Obita Indica from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Anybody who watched there? the run to, to victory in European football last season. Uh, you might have seen him in the final against um, against Rangers. Uh, this guy is brilliant. There's my synopsis on him. Is actually brilliant. Um, and I could probably leave my synopsis at that. He just basically has everything when you watch him. He's a big, imposing character. He's left-footed. He can carry the ball out of defense. He can play. He, he can pass the ball about. He's just a brick. Um, pressures the ball. You can see it there. Tackles, tackles dribblers at a decent rate. Like he just, he just has it. He just has that ability to play a center half. Now, the thing with him is his contract is running down. And I think he's going, I think that the new phenomenon of players running down our contract to get a free transfer move because we've seen that phenomenon happen quite often. And we spoke about it when Bubakar Kamara signed for us. Now, people are still going to need to stump up for this guy, but I don't think he's going to sign. Like at the moment, it doesn't look like he's going to sign a new contract eventually at Frankfurt. And he's going to go into the free agent market and see who's going to come in and bid for him, uh, for him, but bidding to him as opposed to, as opposed to the club controlling um, where his future lies. Um, it would be smart for a team to get in there and start bidding money for him now, uh, if they were a top team, because this guy has it has has everything. He really does. You just watch him and watch him. He's he's just a giant. He's he's just really really good defender, you know. So um, so have a look at him if you haven't haven't seen him. I don't think there's an asses roar in hell. This guy comes to Aston Villa Football Club, not an asses roar in hell. Um, not that we're not a club of big enough stature or whatever. I just think that Eintracht Frankfurt are going to look for money. And I think that other teams, if there's a sniff that this guy is available for a price, anywhere near a price that we could afford um, or are willing to spend, I think other teams come in and gazump us because uh, there's there's a pretty stiff market for centre-halves at the moment. And um, he is he's definitely somebody who's... like he's no, he's no secret within European football. Absolutely no secret is this guy within European football. And we can see it, like his numbers bear it out there uh, in Dika. Look, don't get me wrong. If he rocks up in, in a new Castoria shirt, then all of a sudden it's like we get that welcome welcome to Villa Park um, tweet out of nowhere and we've signed this guy. It could be an all-pants podcast again, as I've said. You know, It's like it, it would be one of those ones that you'd literally have to stand up and applaud the board. You'd have to stand up and applaud Stephen Gerrard because this guy could pretty much 
point a finger at a club and I would imagine they would want to have a crack off signing him. And I think that's what he's looking for. That's why he's looking to get into, into, into free agency. And that's not a, that's not a criticism of his character or of, of, uh, of himself in general. It's just, I suppose, uh, for me, it's, it's just a kind of a, a commentary on potentially where maybe young players are looking that the market is going. You know, they don't want the clubs to have, the, have a say on where they're sold to or what bids are accepted. Maybe sometimes like this, it's 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 an interesting one because look, we have potentially we have a a situation with it with Bubakar Kamara. But then again, what I'm saying about this guy here, we did sign Bubakar Kamara in that very in that very instance. So, you know, maybe we do have a shot. Maybe we do have a chance. I don't know. I don't know. But this guy, you look at him, he's got it all. He's a big imposing character. Um, just even look back at that game against Rangers or look back at any of the games they played in Europe last season if you want a, a, a pretty decent uh, synopsis on him. Um, he stands out a million miles when you're looking at them defending. And uh, I'll let you guys go and and uh, and enjoy that if you've not watched him defending because I think he's really, really good. Um, here's how he stacks up with regards to Diego Carlos. Once again, a better, I'm not going to say a better pure defender. He's better numbers from pure defensive side of things, should I say here? Because once again, the context is he did have more work to do. Uh, over the course of uh, over the course of the season as well, but when you look at these numbers, there's no there's no denying that he's an impressive character. He's an impressive defender, and definitely look if the opportunity comes up, absolutely get him in. I just don't think we have a snowballs uh, of of signing this guy. Last but not least, I'm going to talk about a guy called Castello Lokeba. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring this guy up is because. There's been a lot of chance, a lot of talk about uh, Jason Denier last yesterday, and obviously he plays with Leon, and he only had, from memory, I think it was nineteen start, nineteen um, starts for Leon last season. And when I went looking into it, I went, oh, "You think that you know his his contract got a bit fraught, and he couldn't agree a new contract with Leon, so Leon wanted to keep Denier. They couldn't agree a number on a contract. I think Denier wanted more." Um, uh, more playing time, but the reason he didn't get playing time is this chap. This chap, he had thirty appearances last season. He started. He ended up starting thirty games for uh, for for Leon. He's only played thirty one games in his career. This guy hit the ground like an absolute train last season. He was nominated for Young Player of the Year in France and uh, out of nowhere, and people were like, "Where did this guy come from?" Leon trusted him with a game with game time and he rewarded their trust. He's a left-sided center half. Now he's by no means the finished article, okay? By no means the finished article, but he's somebody that's really interesting. And I got watching him last night and I went, This guy's good. This guy wasn't nominated for young player of the year just because of his playing time alone. This guy's good. And his numbers bear it out. And when we look at it here, I've spoken about Spoken about guys who can defend. I've spoken about guys who can, who've got uh, decent passing numbers. So when you look at maybe somebody like a Maxence Lacroix, if we get an Maxence Lacroix, um, he has uh, he he might have similar defensive numbers, but he doesn't have anywhere near the passing numbers of this guy. If you look at uh, Abubakar Kouate, like I mentioned, he's got better defensive numbers, but he's got absolutely dreadful passing numbers. You know, so what I'm looking at here is a happy medium. This guy's only 19 years of age; won't be 20 until just before Christmas. If I was going to plow into the market, and if we were looking at spending a lot of money, I think it's I think it's favourable, and I think it's it's um, intelligent for the club to do something with a player like this, 
a player like this. So you go and you find a guy that's got potential that you've been maybe looking at for the last 12 months and you maybe push the button early on him. Something along those lines is what I'm saying. So this guy bridges the gap between your Bogarts, who are 18 and hasn't got a lot of uh, first team experience, and your Josh Feeney's, who's 17 and certainly does, and, and you know is is maybe a bit too young. This guy's going to be 20 later on the year. So when we talk about buying players that are better than what we have already, how's about we buy a player that we think maybe in 12 months' time is going to be able to sit into that role and maybe force, uh, maybe have 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 a battle on their hands with, or force one of the two starters to have a battle on their hands? Because yes, Diego Carlos is going to come back. And we would hope that he would be the same player and get a place back in that team. But if you're turning the back end of the roster, it's best better to do it by bringing in these guys and maybe overpaying for this guy. Maybe you pay the 18 million or you pay 20 million pounds for him and you get him in now and you turn the back end of the roster because of the potential he has. Potential will always have a sell-on fee specifically for somebody uh, for somebody this young. So it could be something that Aston Villa could do with somebody like this. I don't know. Maybe go to go to Italy, try and find a cultured Italian defender for uh, that's 19 or 20 because they've got some really good ones. That guy at Sampdoria, the big, massive guy, big, huge guy. He played against Ireland under 21s. I don't know what's his name, Okore or something like that, or Ojoe or something like that. Big, massive guy. Like he's he looks like a wrestler and he was playing against a lot of, lot of kids. Maybe some, somebody like that um, might be someone that they might look at. I don't know, it's Atlanta or Sampdoria he plays with um, and I'll find his name and I should have added him to the list because he was someone I meant to add this morning, but I didn't. Um, but then, but uh, Aston Villa might look at something like that. You buy the potential in early, maybe pay slightly over the odds for, for what he is right now based on what you think he could be because we have an opportunity to sit somebody for six, seven, eight weeks to get them used to the system, to, to to get them used to playing in British football, because we were blessed with having two good centre halves and Kanza and Chambers to, behind the two centre halves we have, and um, if we were to treat it like uh, like that, instead of just bringing in somebody who can start against Crystal Palace on Saturday, which is a pipe dream anyway, you know, play the two guys that we have there that know the system, play one of the two guys that we have there that know the system and uh, bring in somebody here that can learn over a six to ten week period and then maybe forces their way into the team. And if they don't force their way into the team this year, they're a damn good backup. And if, they, if they're a good backup, well, then that's okay too because next year they could be pushing the likes of Tyrone Mings as he gets up to 30 years of age. His stand-on value starts to get a bit lower. Maybe there's there's a natural decline with older players or whatever. I'm not saying this is going to happen with Tyrone Mings, but it's good squad building. It's good um, squad churn. It's good... Uh, succession planning i think which is is something that we need to look at and also this guy being 19 years of age in five years in three or four years time should i say if this guy <coughs> did get his chance or did grow through aston villa you could have himself and feeney at center half position and essentially you'd have <coughs> you'd have two players in their early 20s um, and hopefully be able to tie the two of them down and and that there would be your succession plan going forward so i think that's i think that's <coughs> I think that's important. I think that's a, um, a important kind of look at some player like this, a younger player that people will scratch their heads and go, who the hell is this guy? But the potential is there. I trust Rob, uh, Rob McKenzie over anyone because if his track record is actually fantastic, it's spotting talent like this. So uh, it, I'm putting this in here as well, along with the free agents last, last week to say, we might be scouting a guy that might have maybe future potential, or fits into the system right now, and it might not be the name that everybody wants, 
So we got to kind of look at who this replacement is going to be from a 50-foot angle because uh, it's going to be important for us to, 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 to understand the context and maybe just wait for them to see how they play within the team and criticise accordingly if they play shit, um, but also praise them accordingly if they don't. Callum Chambers' point in case, a lot of people scratched their head and went, oh, he's probably only, maybe he's going to play defensive midfielder, maybe he's going to be right back, but I can't see him getting ahead of Courtney House or, or Ezri Kanza in the defensive stakes. And he was starting games by the end of the season and scoring parlors against uh, against Leeds United. So, <clears throat> yes, he could be the exception to the rule, but he could also be um, a result of very good scouting and finding somebody who fits into our system that we want in the centre-half position. And I'm willing to give Rob, Rob McKenzie the benefit of the doubt on that point. Right, lads, I'm going to leave. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to go to some of your comments there uh, because some of the comments have been flying in and I uh, I appreciate your comments there. I'm going to take these slides off the screen. So we have uh, Porcelain says, Zagadou and Denier are both available and free free transfers should be all over that. Yep, part one yesterday. Uh, covered that one uh, in depth. So if you want to take a look back at that, and I'm a big Zagadou fan, albeit that he missed two more or less two years of his career with knee ligament injuries somewhere along the, uh, along the line. Damien says, would a loan be more appropriate? I'm sure the club has long-term plans about squad building. Would another centre-back and a long-term deal be part of that? I think it would be. I think it would be considering that if you look at our two um, centre-halves at the moment, and, and this is where I think the guy I just mentioned comes into play, um, that I think they'd be willing to go and spend because uh, uh, to churn to maybe the back end of that roster, if you're looking at uh, Chambers, or sorry, if you're looking at Carlos and Mings, both of them are going to be, what, 30, 31 by the end of this season. So you're really looking at, uh, at maybe two, three years best out of them. The opportunity could be to bring in somebody now, as I say, and get them to grow as that fourth defender and then use them then maybe opens up an opportunity as Rikanza puts himself in the shop window and I'm not advocating that we sell him but I'm saying as Rikanza puts himself in the shop window we get an offer of 25 30 million for him in the summer we're comfortable with selling him because we know what's coming up behind him in this person that we've spent 18 to 20 million on now so I think there's 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 probably mental gymnastics with regards to that that the club are going to have to do over the next few days as well um that's a good one actually that's a good point from CS27 and something that I kind of brushed over um, and, and you make a really good point about the loan signings that potentially we could get somebody in, out there that might need game time to make sure they're in the World Cup squad that's a really good point and it now makes me really want to do a part three of this who could replace Diego Carlos because that's not something I actually thought of in a World Cup year yeah might be onto something there thanks for the thanks for the content uh the, the content uh, suggestion there, CS27. Uh, I might be on that one later on. Uh, Kahoot Games says, pretty joy, pr- pity that Joe Rodden has gone to France. Um, yeah, he's gone to he's gone to Rennes um, that we played in in, in preseason. And uh, I think it's good to see players moving to different um, different teams, different leagues and so on uh, to try and uh, open their minds a small bit more. Um, Lit asks, would I be up for Bubakar Kamara at centre half? He can play there in... He can play there. Um, I wouldn't because we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're robbing Peter to pay Paul there and I think that we either stick with Bubakar Kamara being a, a, a central midfielder. Um, I think that, you know, he... 
we bought him to be that number six, and I think we play him at that number six, and we then go out and buy somebody to be this to, to be be the other centre half, or we loan someone, or we sign someone on a free, or if we think that Josh Feeney is is ready to take the step up to Premier to Premier League football at seventeen years of age, I think we live by the sword, we die by the sword by that decision when we brought Bubakar Kamara in to play a defensive midfielder. Yes, there might be times he may need to move back there in terms of uh, mid game substitutions or mid game um, tinkering or moving back there into a three when we're under pressure, of course, but. I, I just I just think that you know you have to back yourself and sign him. We've finally got a good six for the first time in ages, and uh, and and I think that the club will will want to continue him in that position. Um, albeit it's great that he can play in two positions. Um, Chambers is massively underrated, absolutely, and that's why I think the club like him. I think the club are happy with Chambers and Kanza. So I think that when you bring in a player, it might be that somebody that comes in as your third or fourth, that younger type player, as I say, or even a, a player in a free transfer that's that steady, any good professional that would play when he's called upon. Um, almost like Courtney House, but as I say, I think Courtney House is going to be on the situation whereby he's going to want to come back from injury. He's uh, he's seen three years where he's got sporadic games, and I think he probably wants to look at, listen, can I get a move to the championship where I can get 30 games under my belt, prove to prove to people that I can actually stay fit for a season, and then see what happens. Maybe I prove to Aston Villa that I'm a viable option going forward, or if not, I can maybe get a move. And I think that fair play to him if he wants to back himself to do that, because uh, I don't think any player like that that's maybe a fourth choice center half should really be forced to sit in the bench and still be the fourth choice center half now, considering we brought somebody in and parachuted him in over him in Diego Carlos. So I would have no problem with Courtney House if he said, listen guys, I still don't want to stay around even after this injury. I'm still only going to be fourth choice uh, center half. I still want to go to, to Watford. And I think the club will honour that and respect that. I don't think they'll stand in his way if that is what he's thinking. Um, so from from my point of view, um, that's, that's my point uh, on that one. Um, and Dean, Dean Everest says, or do we go and get Ke Gary Cahill and uh, have him as a player coach? Jared wants winners in the dressing room, and he is one. <coughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be in favour of it. Because once again, he would be, yeah, I don't know. I'd prefer to go the younger player route and spend money on it than getting, he must be 37, see? What age is Gary Cahill? Uh, is what? Agency. What age? Tell me, internet. Tell me. He's 36. He'll be 37 in December. Um, maybe he has the John Terry effect. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see on that one. We'll see on that one. Um, where else are we? Oh, there's a good suggestion. Banging the drum for Nico Elvedi. Good passer, good air. And he's Swiss international should be available for less than 20 million. If I'm not mistaken, is he a Gladback player? Is he, is he still with Gladback? Is, is, is Elvedi with Gladback? And that's someone that... Uh, that's a good shout um, of somebody that could be gotten. Oh, that's not. Um, this is great. This is great, great um, podcasting here as I Google things uh, just as people are uh, are making their suggestions. Um, yeah, he's with Gladback. He's only 25 years of age. He's only 25. He's, he seems like he's around forever. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad suggestion at all. Six foot two plays right back and right center back as well. Um, and he's yeah, he's ton of games for Gladbach, two hundred games for Gladbach, and uh, thirty eight games for Switzerland as well. Not a bad shout, absolutely. Will not a good, not a bad shout at all. Um, uh, Luke says that he wanted Lacroix initially, so we'll be buzzing for that. Coletta Cargo is in two footed to every to every challenge, so I think our disciplinary record would, be, would take a bashing. I think that might be it. Is it? He's tackling. Um, 
technique or something that just looks off for me. There's there's something in it. I can't put my hands on it with regards to what it is for Coletta Carbo. Every time I'm, I, I watch him, you can see the, the really good passing range he has. You can see that he's comfortable on the ball. But there's just something about the way he moves or something. I can't put my hand on it. Um, but that's just the idiosyncrasy that I have um, when I look at him too. Uh, Zagadu has to be the show. Uh, uh, has to be for me. Great shout that. Yeah, as I say, we, sp- we chatted about him yesterday. And um, I just don't know why he's on the market because he was like a shining light of French football um, only two or three years ago. And, and, and you know, and now he's sitting around in a free contract with no one taking a chance in him. So I would have to ask questions with regards to that. But the talent is there and the, the ability is there. What he's put out in tape when he's been fit is ridiculously good. So, yeah, absolutely sign me up for that. I would definitely be up for taking a punt on him for sure and having him as my fourth choice. For sure, for sure. Not for choice in, in the literal sense, but bringing him in, nursing him back. He could still rehabilitate while he's here. He's not going to be thrust straight into action straight away. Um, Yeah, Party, D- Party DZN says, said before we bought Carlos and Dika was the guy, but there's no chance we'd get him this summer. We won't pay big bags of cash, so our only hope is loan to boys. He, he's only got one year. Yeah, as I say, Dika only has one year in his contract, and I think that he's looking at maybe uh, getting a free transfer move. Uh, but look, once again, uh, as I said, we will see this an awful lot more with people trying to get to the cusp of running down our contract or even get to January so they can talk to their teams before re-signing on with teams because it's a lucrative market moving on, on free transfers. And uh, we can blame the likes of Paris Saint-Germain for that, the way that they signed uh, Sergio Ramos and, and Donnarumma. And listen, hey, it's if it's financially viable, it's financially viable. And we shouldn't be giving out about it. Um, where else have we... Um, yeah, Lit Talk uh, agrees with me that Lukeba is a player uh, for sure. Yeah, somebody that uh, I was blown away with when I was watching him. I think he's really, really good, really good. And like as I say, he's just somebody that we we'll fire out there and we'll see see what what happens. Um, uh, yeah, uh, da, 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 da. and that's really it. We've got we're going to finish in this two and Xavier on loan again. No, no, I don't want him. Fourth time, fool me. Was it? No, in fairness, he didn't fool us. He was very good in the championship anytime he was here. But I think his last loan, I don't think Stephen Jarrett's going to dip back in there again. You know, he cancelled his loan deal to go to Napoli. He got one game at Napoli, you know, which is fair play to him. Like, go and back yourself. But um, I don't think Axel Tunzebi is going to be on the board for us when we do look to make a signing. But uh, fair play to him. Fair, fair play to him indeed for backing himself even though it didn't work out that's going to do it for us today guys I had been planning on doing uh, the voicemail podcast today as well I may have to take a rain check on that until tomorrow Um, I'll keep an eye on Twitter um, I, I will let you guys know I might come on live maybe and do it at half nine maybe if I see Paddy's in the comments here if Paddy's around we might get him to, to, to jump in on that as well I may need to take a rain check on that because I've got stuff going on today Um, so I will let you guys know on Twitter but thanks a million for everybody for ju- tuning in today with 48 minutes done really appreciate your time if you do want to send us a voicemail uh, since uh, we still have time it will be later on today that we'll be doing it you can do so at this, you can leave us a voicemail for our voicemail podcast on www.speakpipe.com forward slash for the love of Paul McGrath pod. If you want to talk to us about uh, did, who you think was the is the replacement for Diego Carlos, if you want to talk to us about maybe squad building, about anything at all, your chance to have your shout and we'd love to hear from you. Um, just leave us a voicemail. Do not leave your email address. Do not leave your email address. Do not leave your email address in the 
the box is there. It's optional, but do not leave your email address. Otherwise, I will have to delete your voicemail and email you and ask you to send it back in again. So any email addresses that are left, any voicemails that are left when you include your email address, I will have to delete them and they won't be played out in the show, unfortunately. Um, anyway, we're going to leave you with that, guys. Have a great Tuesday. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Podcast Network.